Thanks, Emil. Okay. So I just want to welcome everybody to tonight's, today's Scottsdale Big Book Meeting, where we'll, we will hear from two recovered fellows. Today is the 13th of January, 2024. And my name is Audrey Ann from County Mead in Ireland, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I will be your host today. And our co-hosts are Maria F., Veronica C., and Sue L. If anybody has any questions during the meeting, please contact either myself or any of the co-hosts by private message in the chat function. The chat function will be disabled until five minutes before the question and answer session. Please note that the speaker today is, we have Craig, Craig F and Tammy, and they will both be recorded. However, the question and answer sessions which follows will not be recorded. We ask if you please make sure to keep your microphone on mute at all times today during the study. And also please turn off your video, video if you are exercising, eating, or if you need to step away from your screen for any reason. During the meeting, we will post the link to the seventh tradition. This money goes towards the cost of Zoom account, the cost of uploading the recordings, and also the contributions to our intergroup, Arizona Serenity in the Desert, and the World Service Organization. We will post the link to the previous week's recording and these are available by clicking on the link posted in the chat box. And I will now hand you over to Craig F. Thanks, Craig. Oh, good. All right. Um, this is Craig F. Recovered in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Thank you. Um, good morning, everybody. Um, I, I'm going to try to make this as, as compact as I can. Uh, I have trouble keeping my talk within time limits usually. Um, so, uh, this morning, what I want to do is I'm, I'm going to hit my story real fast. I, I, I was fascinated with food as a kid. Uh, I, I, I ate every chance I could get. Um, but I, uh, I didn't suffer the consequences of weight gain, uh, much as a kid because I grew quickly. I'm, I'm six, four, and I was this tall when I was 14 years old. Uh, I, I, everybody thought I was going to be taller and be a giant basketball star, but I quit growing at six, four, um, and, uh, uh, at least, uh, up, I <laughs> grew out a little after that. But, um, anyway, I, I, I played basketball, football, baseball, ran track as a kid. I, I was always out and about, we hunted, we fished, we did all the things that all those physical things I was I hardly watched TV growing up. You know, we we were on the move all the time. I was on the move all the time, and uh, so as a consequence, um, my eating didn't didn't show up much on my waistline until I turned sixteen, and 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 uh, I was able to uh, go. I had a, already owned a car, and I was able to go anywhere I wanted to go, and I had money in my pocket. I was working in a grocery store, and uh, uh, that summer I turned 16, I came back for reported for football and I, I gained like 30 pounds over the summer. And the basketball coach said, uh-uh, you're going to take 20 of that off before basketball season starts. And that was my first diet. And I did it wrong, but it, the weight came off quickly. I, I didn't realize that, you know, my uh, stupidity, I didn't realize that beer and pop counted as calories. I, <laughs> but, um, uh, Anyway, I dropped the weight and I thought that was easy and it set up a idea in my mind that I could just drop monitor that bottom 20 anytime I wanted to. 
turned out not to be true. But um, it, it, anyway, uh, I, I got married young. I, I got a girl pregnant, and uh, I was a father at, uh, at right about my 20th birthday. And uh, I uh, ended up with two sons with her. I was married 20 years. And that 20 years of that, my 20s and my 30s, were a series of diets, a series of fighting this, this thing. Always, um, you know, I, I was always a, su a successful diet dieter as long as the diet worked. And then when it didn't work, it never worked again. And so I would go up and I would come back down almost all the way. And then I'd go up higher and then I'd come back down. And, you know, the highs got higher and the lows got higher. And, uh, you know, I seesawed my way up. To where uh, in, in my late 30s, uh, I, I hit 410 pounds. Uh, a doctor told me that uh, I was going to drown in my own juices if I didn't do something about it. Uh, that was the graphic term she used. It scared me to death. But what do we do with fear? Uh, you know, I didn't know what else to do. I, I left her office, that doctor's office, headed home and you know, with all this determination that that was it, that I was really going to control it this time. And I, I, uh, uh, passed one fast food joint and another one and it was lunchtime. So I pulled in a third one, had two hamburgers and said, I'll start tomorrow, which and of course tomorrow never came. Um, my marriage fell apart shortly after that, um, for lots of reasons. The weight was part of that. Um, you know, the, just the lifestyle was part of that. Um, you know, uh, I, I wasn't a great husband. I, I know that now. Um, and, and we were too young and she was a senior in high school. When we got married too young, too immature and, and uh, not not ready for what we had. But we raised a couple of great boys out of that. And uh, so anyway, as a part of the divorce proceedings, I went to I went to a counselor and uh, the counselor thank God was 20 years sober in AA and uh, we had to go to counseling because we had a minor child and a minor child. And you had to make sure you uh, tried to save the marriage, uh, you know, before the state of Arizona would let you have a divorce at that time. So I'm, we went to counseling uh, with separate counseling, the counselor I went to, um, listen to me for an hour. I lied to him about my uh, drinking. I, 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 I didn't tell him the whole truth about my eating, he, he, but he was 20 years sober in AA. And after he listened to me for that hour, he says, okay, here's what you need to do. He said, you need to go to Overeaters Anonymous. And when you're ready to be honest with me after about a year, maybe uh, I want you to come back and see me and maybe we can do some good. I wanted to, I wanted to hit him. I, I grew up a bar fighter. I, I was just ready to paste him in the mouth, you know, cause I, you know, I had great cash register honesty. I, I had no concept what he was talking about when he said, be honest. It was, you know, to be, be honest about who I am, about what I'm feeling about who I am. Um, and, but thank God for him. And he thank God for his suggestion that I go to O readers anonymous. And I did, and I got a sponsor right away. And, uh, I felt like I was home and, uh, we started out doing the steps and, uh, I, uh, uh, got through the first three steps, which were, uh, a series of Westminster questions is how they did it. Um, and then I got to the fourth step and, uh, I, 
I stalled out. Uh, my sponsor relapsed. I had to change sponsors. I got a, I, I ended up with a female sponsor because that was all that was available. And all she wanted to do was take my food commitment and find out how I did the next day. And I was doing so good on the food that uh, I was kind of a, 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 at least thought I was a superstar. I, I lost 140 pounds. I went from 410 back down to 260 in, in that first year, 260, 265, and uh, was, uh, you know, people would call me the incredible shrinking man and my ego, you know, I was there for the vanity and, and, and didn't even realize it. And my sponsor, my first sponsor would say, uh, he'd ask me how I was doing and I'd tell him how much weight I lost. And, you know, I was going to the gym every day and weighing two or three times a day. And, and he'd ask me how I was doing and I'd tell him how much weight I lost. And he would say, well, there's your vanity. How's your sanity? And again, uh, bar fighter than I am, I wanted to paste him in the mouth too. You know, I thought he was just jealous of the fact that I was losing weight and he was not. And then when he relapsed, that confirmed my, uh, my worst suspicions of him, you know, poor guy. I, you know, I didn't have, he didn't have a chance because I, uh, you know, I had a mindset that was, that this was about weight. It was about food. You know, the rest of it was just a minor sideshow. And, uh, so anyway, uh, I, I moved at the end of a year. I moved here. To, I, I'd been in Allentown that first year. I'd been working on a, on a lawsuit, and the lawsuit resolved, and we won. And uh, I, uh, I, I was done with that job, and I was trying to get closer to my parents who lived in Wichita, and I uh, didn't want to go back to Arizona because I had an ex there and uh, her, her family. And uh, so... I landed here and uh, landed in a pretty good OA uh, group, you know, big meetings. There was a, there were Monday night meeting was 80, 90, hundred people at the time. And, and uh, I uh, uh, had, had a year behind me and, and was feeling pretty good and uh, was single and, and loved to mingle and, and the girls were friendly and I, thought I had arrived. You know, Bill says he thought he had arrived. I thought I had arrived. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, one of my amends I had to make was I, I was, I was going to meetings a lot of times for all the wrong reasons. And, uh, uh, you know, I almost, I almost picked up a two year chip. Um, but I realized that the only reason I was calling myself abstinent was that I had kept changing my food plan. Uh, and uh, that uh, to make it more and more permissive and that I wasn't losing weight. As a matter of fact, it was starting to creep back up. And uh, I uh, so I didn't pick up the two year chip. And that sent me into a series of many years of uh, of short term relief and then relapse. And, and I don't call it recovery and relapse because. It wasn't real recovery. I, I think it was just relief. I would get relief. I would go 60, 90 days, six months at one time. Something would happen, um, and uh, I'd be off and running again. And, uh, you know, uh, it it was – I kept thinking if I could just understand myself a little better. You know, I went to a couple of counselors to try to get some insight on why I was who I was, and, and, and quite frankly – they were no help at all. Now I had, I'm, you 
you know, that's probably as much my fault because I, I didn't know how to talk to them uh, and tell them the truth uh, as, as anything, but uh, uh, it, it just didn't work. Um, so there's another thing I tried. So I tried, you know, all these diets, you know, over the years, all those different diets, all those different food plans, all that, you know, I, and, and I tried different sponsors in, in OA. Uh, I had, uh, uh, at one point, I ended up having uh, A.G. Ainsworth, the fa- founder of Gluttons Anonymous, co-founder of OA. I had him as a sponsor for several years, uh, and and I tried I tried everything, everything I knew to try, and uh, you know I kept thinking that like uh, you know there's a line and the, there's a solution where Rollins Hazard says that uh, he thought he'd come to know the inner workings and wellsprings springs of his mind so well that he'd never had to drink again and yet he was drunk again in, in short order you know he'd spent a, a year with dr young and uh, and thought that he'd figured everything out and it therefore didn't have to drink again and and figuring it out i didn't have i didn't have a year with dr young um but uh you know i uh, if figuring it out in, in my limited uh, abilities still didn't help, you know, uh, figuring it out. Isn't one of the steps. It isn't a chapter in the big book. Uh, it's been pointed out to me repeatedly, uh, you know, that, uh, it's not how it, how to think about it. It's how it works. And, uh, so I, uh, um, I went through a lot of relapse. I had gotten into a relationship that, uh, I thought was the end all and be all of relationships for me. It was the, uh, and I was, uh, the love of my life. Uh, we had a son together. Um, I was, uh, uh, all in if, uh, if I've ever been all in with anything, I was all in emotionally on that and it didn't work out. And, and, you know, uh, I, I, I came out of that and I didn't handle it well. I, I didn't have the ability to handle it well. Um, and I simply didn't handle it well. And instead of doubling down on, I tried to double down on program, but I, I, I didn't have, I didn't have the tools to do that. I didn't understand, uh, you know, it was all right there in front of me. I just couldn't get a hold of it. I couldn't wrap my hand head around that idea that that so simply stated in the twelfth step that having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, you know, that, that we practice these principles in all our affairs, that we carry this message, you know, that, that, that tells me most everything I need to know going in that it's not about, it's not about the best food plan or the best sponsor or the best meeting habits. All those things are nice and they're important and they're good, but that's not, that's not what it's about. It's, it says, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, I couldn't see through that. And I, I tried to work the steps. Uh, I couldn't find a male sponsor here. That's why I ended up with AG. Uh, and we did that by email. Um, uh, I couldn't find a male sponsor local in OA. I tried to work in the steps uh, with an AA sponsor. And, uh, and, 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 it, and it helped me some, but it 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 didn't, it didn't relieve my compulsive eating. Um, and you know, there's, 
I, I don't mean to blame this on anybody. I don't mean it, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't, you know, my sister has a sign above her desk that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And the student simply wasn't ready yet. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to let go of everything. I wasn't ready to let go of my own self-will. You know, I have a horribly strong self-will. I'm very willful person. And, and, and I hated to admit that about myself, but I am. You know, I'm so willful that I thought I could control the weather by the force of my will at times. And, and uh, you know, I had to give that up. Um, uh, you know, I had to learn how to live life to on on life's terms, to live life on God's terms. And, and they're not Craig's terms. You know, I, I'd gotten to the third step and, you know, that said, turn your life and will over to the care of God as you understand him. And I and and I said, what if God doesn't want me to ever have sex again? You know, what what if what if God's serious about that chastity thing? What if God wants me to be poor? You know, uh, what what if He wants me to be you know poor and 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 uh, live like a monk? You know, I I I I, I kind of want some guarantees. I want some. I want to see how this is going to look. You know. But it, it doesn't work like that, you know. I have to turn my life and will over to the care of God, and I have to do it in the blind. Uh, and and I have to trust the fact that if I do that, if I truly do that, and I'm truly living God's will, that I'll be happier doing that than I will be doing any other thing in the world, you know. That if that truly is God's will for me, that that will make me happier that, than uh, whatever other lifestyle I can imagine. And and. You know, if if I have this good and benevolent God that we talk about in step two, that that he's going to have a better plan for me than I could come up with. And but, you know, I was hesitant. I was hesitant to turn my life and will over to God's care. And I was hesitant to uh, I was having hesitant to make certain amends, you know, certain people that hurt me, especially financially worse than I ever hurt them. You know, I'd worked for a guy and I. And I had some of these tools when we parted ways. And, uh, you know, I'd always felt kind of guilty about that, but he owed me money, you know? And, and so I'd done the accounting in my head and said, he still owes me money. And if I take the tools off now, he didn't know that, you know, but uh, instead of clearing all that up, instead of going to him and clearing all that up, I just carried that said, well, I'll carry the balance in my head. And, uh, you know, that isn't, that isn't a guilt-free way of life. That isn't, that isn't clearing out the path that we're supposed to do when we take away our, when we inventory our resentments, our fears and our harms in step four, you know, you put the full, everything down on the ledger and, and, and make amends for your part, clean your side of the street. And, uh, you know, so I, I held back on, on, a, on a lot of amends. I held back on, 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 part of my inventory i just simply didn't put them on my inventory because i didn't want to have to make amends for things that i felt like you know uh, i i didn't need to make amends for there were people i had uh, there were women i had hurt but you know they had a part and i could see their part bigger than i could see my part and you know um i, I it kept me from making amends it kept me from clearing up the wreckage of my past and uh, so along uh, it goes along and I went into relapse 
after that relationship. And I, I, uh, uh, a lot of that was willfulness. And, uh, in that relapse, uh, I got out of control. The food got out of control. Um, you know, I was, uh, the, the, uh, allergy had been triggered. The, the, the will was not there. And, uh, I, there were a couple of times when I quit going to meetings. I'd like to tell you, I never quit going to meetings. I tried a couple other programs, you know, CEA, how I tried a couple of things like that. Um, you know, and I lost some weight there and then I'd put it back on. I got up to 520 pounds in relapse. Um, my health was bad. Um, you know, that, that's goes without saying my health was bad. Um, I, uh, but inside me, I, I knew where the solution was. You know, there's somebody, there's this, this saying goes around, there's nothing more painful than a, than a head full of AA and a belly full of booze. And there's nothing more painful than a head full of OA and, and a belly full of food and fat. You know, it's just simply uh, a painful place to be. It, it ruins, you can't really enjoy your eating and you can't enjoy life without eating. And, and I've been there, you know, it was the pit of despair and I didn't know what to do. I did know what to do. I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't, ha you know, it, it takes some, you know, swallow your pride and go back, you know, um, in, in that relapse, uh, in that 520 pounds, I developed lymphedema in my legs. I got a septic infection in that lymphedema. Um, I, uh, uh was still working. I, I'm an estimate for construction company and as long as i can get to my desk I, you know that's all i i can i can make the world buzz and uh but i i got up to go to work one morning and i, I sat down in my in an easy chair i have in my bedroom and uh, i didn't have the strength to stand back up and uh, the uh, uh I, I sat there and I, I i kept trying to stand up and i couldn't I just couldn't get the right angle. And I spent several hours trying to stand up and I had a cell phone in my hand and I was too prideful to call for help. And finally the, that third son, this, the son that I had uh, in program, it's finally, he, he's grown up. He played football and uh, at, at a local university, he was, he's six, five and a half and played football. He's an offensive lineman and, all muscles and I called him and he was working nearby and I called him and said can you swing by the house and help me I need to I, I don't have the strength to stand up for some reason and I need uh, uh, I need some help actually by that time I had gotten down on the floor and tried to crawl over to the bed was going to pull myself up on the bed and thought I could stand up from there I was still planning on going to work for God's sakes and uh, so I tell him I'm on the floor and I can't get up and uh, he calls his mother, uh, who's a medical professional, and uh, she called me and said, listen, if you're too weak to stand up, you're going to the hospital. And uh, she said, are you going to call the doctor or, or the ambulance or am I? And I said, well, I'll call them. And so I called them and I told them what was going on and how big I was. And they sent six huge firemen over here with a, a tarp and and the, and couple of paramedics and, and uh, they laid a tarp down on the bedroom floor and rolled my ass on onto the tarp and the 
in the sixth big fireman got a hold of the tarp and picked it up, set me on the gurney and they took me to the hospital and in the hospital, you know, that's humiliating. And I, I share that just so I don't ever forget how humiliating that is. But in the hospital, they ran tests and they said, you have a septic infection in the lymphedema in your legs. And, and, uh, we're going to have to keep you here three weeks, put you on IV antibiotics and, uh, uh, you know, try to get, beat the infection down. And I said, listen, I, I'm too important. <laughs> this guy got an ego. I'm too important at work. Um, if, if, uh, if, if, why don't you just put in a pick line and give me the uh, antibiotics and I can change the bag out four times a day and, uh, we'll go on from there and I can go to work and do that. You know, I, I, I'm smart enough to change out a IV bag and, uh, the doctor looked at me and said, listen, here's the deal. She said, you have a 25% chance of dying in the next three weeks from this infection if we don't get it under control. And she said, if we do get it under control, you've got a 40% chance of losing your legs in the next six weeks because if the antibiotics don't work, then the infection will get worse and we'll have to start taking your legs off. And, you know, probably we'll start at the ankles and then we'll move on up and you'll get your legs at the knees. And she said, so if you don't do this just right, she said, it, it's your life for your legs. So she said, if I were you, I'd lay back down in that bed and uh, let us take care of you for the next three weeks and see if we can't get this thing beat. And I laid down in that bed and, and I don't cry, but I had tears in my eyes. And I said, I, I cried out to God and I knew, I, I, I knew what was the problem. You know, I knew where, where the solution was. I cried out and I said, God, I, 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 I'm, I'm all in whatever it takes, you know, all those amends, all those, all that stuff I wouldn't confess to and steps four and five, all the amends that I wouldn't make all the, those ego crap that's, that is in my way. It's gotten in my way over the years, uh, for recovery, you know, the ego I had of not wanting to go back to meetings after I'd lost all that weight and been a superstar. And now I was, you know, back up high, all that crap. I, I, I give it up. I'm, I'm, I'm in whatever, whatever you need, whatever, whatever I need to do. Uh, I I'm ready. Uh, just help me. And, uh, you know, we, spiritual experiences have different forms, but I felt like that was a spiritual experience. You know, I drew closer to God that night and, and drew closer to, you know, my ego got out of the way uh, completely, I think, for the first time in my life. And, uh, left, right? oh, oh, great. Thank you. And so I uh, I cried out and then my friend, my the mother of my youngest son, uh, called me or came to see me the next day. She'd been going to vision and uh, she uh, uh, brought me the phone numbers for the phone meeting and she gave me Harlan's number and she said, call this guy. He, 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 he might be able to help you uh, as a sponsor. And I called him and he agreed to take me on as a sponsor. I started calling that meeting. I've, I've been on that meeting virtually every day. That was seven years ago, last October. Um, Harlan started me on the steps that day and, uh, by the time I got out of the hospital, uh, which was three weeks later, uh, I was in the events process. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, not one of his fastest uh, students because 
you know, I knew too much a couple of times and I had to go back and reread things to, to see what I was missing. But, uh, we, uh, we got through the steps. I got my, and, and it was tough to make amends from the hospital bed. Uh, but I, you know, uh, I got it done. And, uh, you know, by the time I got home, I finished my amends when I got home, I started sponsoring and, uh, I found, I, I, I found the first, I think real full on spiritual recovery that I'd experienced in the program, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd seen glimpses and pieces and parts through the years, but I, you know, being all in makes all the difference in the world. You know, rarely have we seen a person fail that has thoroughly followed our path. And I hadn't thoroughly followed the path. You know, I always had uh, rebelled at that idea that half measures availed me nothing. I, I thought they ought to at least get me half, you know, and I like that metaphor about the vending machine. You know, if you put 50 cents in a vending machine that calls for a dollar, you're not going to get half of a can of pop back out of it. You know, you're not going to get half the candy bar, whatever. <laughs> we don't eat those, but you're not going to get half of whatever you, is there. you got to put the full amount in and, and half measures avail us nothing. And, and you know, it's the same thing with program half measures. I have to be all in. I have to be willing to go to any lengths. And, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I, my favorite chapter in the big book is there is a solution partly be simply because of the title. Uh, I, you know, I did a special edition on this once, but that title, there is a solution <clears throat> is a magnificent promise. If we think about it, because there could, there, it, it's possible there couldn't be a, there might not be a solution, you know, uh, my doctor told me one time that uh, he explained all of the the problems with overweight people losing weight. You know, the cortisone that you don't, the, and the insulin and all the blood chemistry and how, how it becomes so much more difficult for people that are extremely overweight to lose weight. And uh, he said it's almost That's impossible. So he, called, he called it the Pickwick syndrome. You know, there is a solution. And, and, thank God there's a solution today. And thank God I found that solution. I know where it's at and, uh, you know, and, and it's here with you folks and, and work in this program. And so with that, I will pass. Thank you for the time. Thank you so much, Craig F. And thank you for sharing your experience, strength and hope. And now I'd like to introduce Tammy M who will share her experience, strength and hope for the next 30 minutes. Thanks, Tammy. Just need to unmute Tammy. Hi, I couldn't unmute myself. I'm Tammy, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And thank you for allowing me to share my story. Um, so as a young child, I wasn't very heavy at all. I came into the program, gosh, OA I started years ago. Um when in scope I attended in Skokie, Illinois. I don't even remember the year. Um, I came into the program with serious binging problems. I literally could not stop binging. 
I would stop at fast food places, steal money from my parents to support my eating habits. I would keep my eating disorder hidden from my family. Um, I would say I started to gain weight in junior high school um, because of all the emotional, sexual, and physical abuse I endured growing up by certain family members in my family. Um, all this situation caused me to feel feelings of loneliness, distrust, isolation among other emotions too, and all I wanted to do was hide. I know this contributed to my eating disorder and I ate to cover up emotions that I didn't want to feel. Um, at a young age, my parents' marriage was very volatile and I would literally cry and run up to the top of the stairs until their the screaming would stop. And my father and my siblings hated how close that my mother and I were. Um, and I compensated for this by binging and restricting too. When I um, was in third grade, I had a learning disability. I still have a learning disability, which is comprehension. And I um, was put in special education classes until high school. And I never had that many friends growing up. I mean, I used to like write letters. I mean, write down like names of kids just to make up that I had friends, um, which is pretty sad. Um, and the kids I thought were my friends were cruel. And I couldn't tell my family or one single soul about this. And I felt very um, different than the people around me. The kids made fun of me because they thought I was slower and because they thought I was heavier than them. I found myself using food more often, especially in high school, to cope with the emotions I didn't want to feel. And my parents and or siblings never knew I had an eating disorder. And I would steal money from my mom's perch, purse, which is kept in the pantry. And the pantry was a very dangerous place for me because I would binge on things in the pantry. Um, and I, this was like in the middle of the night too, I would go get up and go into the pantry and eat. So I had to be very quiet. Um, thank God, um, over the years, I did make amends, you know, with my mom when she was alive, um, to her and told her that I was stealing from her, um, before she did pass away. Um, and while I was attending college, I went to an OA meeting and I came back and knew I needed more help. And I went to a eating disorder unit for two weeks and um, came home, uh, decided to live at home and finish out my college degree. And my father and I were, my father and I never had a close relationship because of my addictions and because I accused him of sexually abusing me. Um. Now we do have a closer relationship. God bless him at 88 years old. Um, he has had a lot of problems. Um, I was able to 
accept that he, I have to change, not him. Um, and I love acceptance, you know, the acceptance, um, the prayer and accept, uh, acceptance, um, because I have to be the one to change. My family or anyone, uh, anyone else is not going to change. It has to be me. Um, at 400 pounds, I had trouble fitting into my clothes. And I remember sitting on the chair and it broke. And my father hit me in the face when that happened. I never will forget this. I was literally in shock and no one ever said a word in my family and I ended up feeling unprotected. Eventually in my 30s, my parents did and and, and getting up getting divorced, which was the best thing that ever happened. Once again, I had turned to food to deal with the pain from the court case, which I was part of. Um, <clears throat> so once the door divorce was over, things were settled. My mother and I moved in together. Um, I also had planned to move into independent living facility and my mom talked me out of it, um, which was good. Um, which my mom was good to talk, sorry, which my mom was good at talking me out of things. Um, my mom became very dependent on me to be her caregiver. While I was living with my mom, she became emotionally abusive to me. Um, she would swear at me if I did not go to get her what she wanted, like food or cigarettes. And I was 36 years old at the time, and my weight kept getting higher and higher. We had a bariatric scale at our home. I stepped on it, and my weight had topped 586 pounds. Um, reality had hit me. I had become housebound. I could not fit into the car. I walked into the garage and because I was driving. Um, so I'm like, I said, tried getting into the car. I couldn't fit into the car. I felt extremely, I was extremely upset. I walked into the house crying. Because I couldn't fi fit behind the wheel of the car anymore. My feet were swollen. I had a hard time wiping myself. Um, things were going downhill for me. Um, I could not wear my gym shoes anymore. Because they wouldn't fit. My feet wouldn't fit into gym shoes. I could not find any clothes that fit. I was suicidal and I wanted to die. I was felt very hopeless. So one day my siblings came over to do an intervention with <clears throat> my mom and I, and they decided that I go into nursing home for my morbid obesity. Um, I relentlessly went. My mom eventually <clears throat> ended up in an assisted care facility. And after the second day of being in the nursing home and not remembering much, my brother came to visit me and found me unresponsive um in the bathroom and, and I went into respiratory failure and they rushed me to ICU the next morning I was scared because I had tubes in me and I ended up having a tracheostomy I had all these doctors and families standing around me I literally thought I was gonna die and I almost did I, I mean I, I don't know and I believe that God saved me 
my life for a reason. Um, my I'm going to how low I was the weight. After being in ICU unit for a few weeks, I got transferred to a nursing home where I lived for three years. I lost weight by pushing the wheelchair around the nursing home every single day. All I wanted was to lay in bed at my highest weight. I had a computer in my room and I started Googling OA meetings. I even attended one face-to-face -face meeting near the nursing home. Then I had attended phone meetings. I still could not stay abstinent. I never had a sponsor and I thought I could do it on my own. Um, after three years of staying at the nursing home I was at, I ended up in multiple nursing homes before ending up in my first apartment in 2016. I started attending OA, uh, OA meetings and found a sponsor. Um, I was driving at the time and I, and I took um, buses to get to the OA meeting. I would walk um, out of meetings because every time I heard the word God and my sponsor had told me I had to become willing to believe in a higher power. That took some time for me because as a teenager, I never believed in anything. By going to meeting after meeting, I finally became willing to believe in a higher power. My mom had passed. I've been, I've been like, my mom, had, a lot has happened. So my mom had passed away in 2016, followed by two of her siblings which took a toll on me. I never was able to go to her funeral or anything because I was like living in nursing homes. I met my goal of being in my own apartment in 2021. And last year at this time, I was at the birthday party. Um, in California, I had not been in a trip in multiple years. I got through security at two airports on my own and made it to the hotel on my own. I met people from Zoom in person who were like family. And it was a great adventure for me. After that birthday party, I did relapse. I did relapse, but I now am today 10 months abstinent. Um, so today I have a wonderful sponsor. I speak at meetings. And this is how I really keep from relapsing. I wake up each morning and read my meditation books and I pray every single day. Um, God is with me literally 24-7. Um, he's there to talk to. I write letters to him. Um, I'm just, he's just there anytime I want to talk to him. I make a gratitude list. And I said, I'm accountable for that to my life coach. I, I literally take pictures of my food and I'm accountable for that every single day. Sometimes I may miss it, miss a picture, but I literally write down everything I eat and send that off to my life coach and sponsor. Um, I do service on meetings, I journal read literature, and I also attend temple services on Friday evenings or live stream Friday evenings. 
So I'm basically working in action program. And this program has literally changed my life and, continu and continues to change my life every single day. It has brought me really close to God. I also realized that the illness is of the mind and of the body. If the illness was just with food, then a diet would have worked for me years ago. Um, I found that I had to turn my problem over to God through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous to find a spiritual fit way of living just for me. I ate out of human emotions, whether I was happy, sad, jealous, angry, or lonely. And I do little tricks like to try and delay the binging process, like wait three minutes to before I open the refrigerator, I put uh, post-it notes, like journal up on my refrigerator instead of eating. And that really helps. Um, I ate out of, so I realized that food had stopped working for me and literally has. I mean, when I take a bite of something, I'm like, why am I eating this? It's not going to work. You know, it really isn't. And I had to work the steps precisely as they were written in the big book. And I really could say I have food neutrality today because I'm not binging anymore and it feels really good to be out of the food. And when I do have those urges, I make outreach calls. And I learned from the OA program that doing service has really gotten me out of my head and focusing on other things. Um, also, sur surrendering to God has been the most important thing in my life and staying spiritually fit. Um, to any newcomers, keep coming back be before the miracle happens because this program really, really does work. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share my story. And I will leave my contact information in the chat, and I am an available sponsor. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tammy. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And I will now turn the meeting over to Sue L, who will host a Q&A session. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Audrey. And um, so I am Sue L from Pennsylvania. I am a Republican. And this will host the Q&A. 